Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. Goblin! Goblin, we're recording. Okay. Okay. Oh, shit. Yeah, we are recording. All right. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages. It is us, the Blunt Force Gamers, and sometimes the Knights of the Dinner Table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is that time, and we were experiencing technical difficulties, so we are far behind schedule. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. It's okay. The podcast must go on. Yeah, so it is I, your host, Game Goblin, sitting along with... The Moniker. And Kazakhan, the Lord Dragon. Oh, and that other guy. Darth Blasphemous, hail to the dark side. And we are the Four Amigos. Huh, 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 huh. That is a movie. He, he can say that because it's not cultural appropriation. Uh, <laughs> <so. laughs> Ay, 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 ay. There's a term for doing that. What's the do you know, I can't remember. What's that? Uulation. No, there's actually like a. No, no, no. For. Oh, for that specific? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fuck if I know. It, like, that, that they do in like mariachi music and stuff like that. There's a specific term, but I forget what it is. Um, Something for Google later. Yeah, something for Google later. Yeah. It's time cool. for creepy stuff. It's October. We need to get spooky in our role playing again. Spooktober! Yep, so this episode is going to be our yearly spooktacular that we normally do every year. <laughs> and last year we <clears throat> overshot the margin. Did yeah, we, we kind of did. That episode went up, what, the week of Thanksgiving? I... Yeah, it was something like that. Dude, that was a year ago and I don't even know what I had for breakfast. <laughs> so... This is an area where I excel for those who are new listeners to the podcast or just picking up on stuff. Because I do horror games really well, and my swoopy, swoopy. one sitting to my left has scared the shit out of his players using my pro tips. So <laughs> Just the tips. So, Moniker, how how creeped out were you when we did that creep-tastic uh, one-shot? Oh, it was pretty good. It was fun. I really wish we could have finished the whole thing, but... As everyone knows, I think we're all zonked at like 3 a.m., so we're like, uh, we want to keep going, but fail. Yeah. fail. The favorite part is Jiggles was so spooked that when he finally got home, like, he just heard something behind him and he punched a wall. Just knee jerk <laughs> fist. That sounds like Jiggles. Uh, and then, um, <laughs> our little uh, Navy boy, uh, the elf. Apparently, also was super creeped out, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think uh, our caster didn't get any sleep that night. Yeah, that's the sign of a successful horror, at least one shot. It's it was a, mo- a mind fuck. It's a moment of pride for me that I was able to spook old Tintho so badly with my impression of Pennywise. That was that. That was a good moment for me. So, uh, I don't think I've mentioned this in one of our spectaculars before, but one of the other things that I've done at the table. I haven't in recent years because it is advanced GM level douchebaggery mm-hmm. to scare the crap out of your players. But take control of their characters away from them to a certain degree. 
Now, this is this is a very fine line to walk. This is a very fine line. Agency is important. Like I said, this is a advanced GM technique. Yeah. Uh, so if you step into it, be sure to have forgiving players if you fuck it up, and be sure to think in advance as to how you're going to approach it. Yeah. Alright, so let's say the three of you are coming into one of my games and I'm running a spooky one-shot game and I want to terrify the crap out of you. Here's how I'm going to take control of your characters. I'm going to write down your hit points, your armor class, your defense stats. So any and all combat that happens during the game session, it's going to be more work for me, less work for the player. But I'm going to be like, oh, I roll a d20. And let's see, the, the enemy zombie is targeting, oh, the moniker. Okay. And I tell you, Mr. Moniker, you know, depending on what the role is, I'm like, oh, the zombie lunges, it hits. And then you hear the sound of dice falling behind my GM screen. Dice, dice, dice. Dice, dice, dice. And the zombie has wounded you. Hmm. I don't tell you how much the zombie has wounded you directly. Yeah. I will allude to, I'll be like, oh, you know, you got some light scratches. But I don't tell you how many hit points you lost. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Scooch around, scooch around. Be quick. The only thing sp spooky that's happening right now is all the lines that are appearing in Audacity. No, it's, it's the fact the pizza man is downstairs and the large man has to run down a stairway. So, anyway. <laughs> what I'm saying is I am not taking away your players. Wait, this is, hold on, this is spooky. He's leaving from our dark attic. Because we're recording live from a haunted house. Um, a haunted house where we can just order pizza to the front fucking door. Yeah. You know what? It happens. Yeah. Uber Eats has a. I'm not at my home, so all you have to do is be like, I'm at about this address. You know, meet me outside. Yeah, we we just kind of. You know what? We should do a random Nautica and <laughs> order pizza to where we wind up. Holy oh, boy. Yeah, let's do that. That would be awesome. But anyway, what I'm saying is I'm not going to take away player agency. Okay. You can still take actions. You tell me whether you want to decide to attack, run, or whatever other actions. Or you do a perception check. This Guess who rolls your perception check? You do. I do. Yeah. All right. So like I said, this is more work for me because I'm basically increasing my workload as a GM right now by a factor of four if it's just you three people playing. But it's worth it to fuck with your players. <laughs> but to fuck with my players. Yeah. So the zombie hits you, I say there's some light damage, Kazrakan attacks said zombie, I roll his attack and I'm like, yeah, you hit the zombie and some meat chunks fall off of its flesh. Ugh. But I don't say, oh, the zombie lost three hit points. I don't tell you you lost two hit points. You know, You're... if there's like a critical hit, I just say it... Goes out and just mollywops you. And when you start getting close to the, that halfway yeah. point or whatever, I'm like, you're getting pretty beat up, dude. Maybe it's about time for some second thoughts as to the way this combat's going to go. It removes the capacity that's in more modern D&D terms especially. It, it removes the predictive. It does. It removes the predictive because there's a thought philosophy in Dungeons & Dragons, which translates to more uh, games published now. Anything over one hit point means good to go. I see. So if I remove the knowledge of how many hit points the enemy has, or how many hit points especially you are losing at the table, I've just added a level of uncertainty to every combat encounter. Yeah. To fucking everything. See, that yeah. just makes me think of um, 
I forget which uh, Metal Gear game that was. Where the dude literally, like, you had to unplug your controller out of slot one and put it in slot two and shit. Oh, it's like Mantis. Yeah. yeah, that was the first one. Yeah. He was so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I say this as a straight man. I will now read your mind. And I love how in, what was it, four, he's like, wait, what, there's no controllers anymore? Memory cards are gone? Yeah. <laughs> I still like the Cthulhu game where it blue screened on you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, I'm playing this on PlayStation. It doesn't blue screen. Different OS. What the? What the? Two motherfuckers. Yeah, but what I'm saying, though, for our spectaculars, as a DM hint, is if you're willing to put in extra work as a game master, yeah. remove certainty from the table by making, like, especially combat rules. You know, let the, the rest of the characters still be under the absolute auspice of the player. If they want to do a uh, finance role with their vampire, mm-hmm. feel free. You've got your character sheet in front of you. you got your dice. Make your finance roll. But when it comes down to brass tacks, like, in-the-moment uh, encounters. Yeah. You know, beating the shit out of the zombie. Beating the shit out of a zombie, or you're facing off with the prince, hoping that... You can pass by bluffing him to buy your uh, coterie more time, or you're negotiating with a lich. Yeah. And you're trying to intimidate him that, oh, yeah, your group is more powerful than they seem. Intimidate the prince? Yeah, good luck. Yeah, I'm just or saying. A lich. You, you're, yeah, good by luck removing that level fucker. of certainty, though. If you are sitting there and you're playing and you try to, uh, you know, negotiate with the prince, and I roll a few dice behind. You know, that's a in-the-moment kind of thing you're doing. It it's, could be you might not walk away from this conversation. And if I make the rolls behind the screen and go, oh, yeah, well, it seems the prince has found your argument to be agreeable. He gives you a bit of a wink and lets you go. Did he give a wink because he knows I'm bullshitting him? I'm not told whether I succeeded or not. I don't get to see my dice in front of me. So I don't know if I got any successes, one success, if the prince is fucking with me, but it seems to have worked. I'm getting the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the bone. I'm leaving. So it's, it's an advanced technique, and I've done it in the past, uh, rarely, and part of the reason is a GM has to be really prepared for this method of combat encounters. And the players also have to be a bit forgiving and willing to let go some of the agency of making certain dice rolls. If your players prefer to roll their dice in front of their tables, and some players do such because they're cheaty big bastards, but others, they don't want to relinquish that level of agency. They like to have control over their character, and that's just fine. It's their character. Yeah. So if everybody in the group, except for one guy, is agreeable to it, well, you're going to have to cater to that one guy because he's not agreeable, and it won't be an enjoyable game session for everybody. And it's the GM's responsibility, even when doing creepy time, to make sure everybody's enjoying creepy time. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and, like, another thing that you brought up was the immersion of combat, right? Even just taking away how much damage is reported, right? So, you roll to hit, DM rolls damage, if applicable. Someone's phone's going off. Not For me. shame, whomsoever. For shame. Oh, well, you know, 
We almost made it two episodes in a row without a phone going off. Almost. <laughs> almost. I still have no idea what that sound was in last week. That was so weird. Uh, but anyway, you know, what you can do is a GM. Well, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was a hint. Maybe it's a spook. <laughs> I mean... <clears throat> maybe it was a nice pair of hooters. That'd be nice. I mean, there is an owl in the backyard. Maybe it's got a friend. Uh-huh. <laughs> but what you can do with combat is just be like, you feel your mace crunching into the bone underneath the muscle. And leave it at that. You don't know whether or not you actually did anything, but you felt it crunch. So you probably did something. Yeah. It That uncertainty is... That's sort of an advanced storytelling. It is. It is also very thematic. You have to be well-read or at least well-versed in story crafting. So if I'm describing something hitting you, yeah, you know, it's going to be... How do I... I can't just go roll the dice and be like, oh, yeah, it hits you and move on. That really doesn't add any impact. The narrative of going, oh, you know, it it's... hits you and it feels like it was actually going for a vital organ and just slightly missed. Yeah. If I say something, you know, like it's going for the vitals, it seems like the combat's a bit more lethal. But if I'm saying, oh, yeah, you took some damage moving along, yeah, mm-hmm. it, you, you're going to have to have some story crafting experience. And again, Vampire the Masquerade is a great game for storytelling tips. Yeah, I think it'd be cool for something like that, especially, you know, when the uh, players have less uh, agency about what's going on is like fighting in the dark, you know, like complete total blackness. Magical blackness, because, you know, we all know, But I have dark vision! Oh, no, no, Shut no, up, no. dude. The best no. is actually, uh, for magical darkness, and I've been watching some crit crab videos, is a paladin who refused to step out of a sphere of magical darkness, because he doesn't run away. But all <laughs> he had to do was step to the side. And he'd a, been fine. a couple of paces, and he would have been fine. There's a difference between... Being engaged in combat and being a dumb shit. Well, I mean, that that's taking stand your ground to a ridiculous extreme. And that's what that is, is stand your ground. It's a paladin, dude. It's, it's kind of expected. Paladins will be lawful stupid. Yeah, but yeah. anyways, in-game, something else to do to make things more spooky. I know Moniker's experiences, and you've heard me go on and on about it there, Gob is um, just setting the ambiance. Like, we've done many an episode about setting the ambiance about, uh, you know, dim the lights a little, put on fucking candles that smell like fucking cinnamon apples or whatever. Yeah, may, um, turn the thermostat down ever so slightly to give the room just a slight chill, but not an uncomfortable one. Or open the window, I mean. Or uh, if you have a sizable enough play space... Uh, make sure your players are sitting far away from each other for that isolation feel. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll throw this out there. Would you guys recommend gaming outside at night? Circumstantially. When camping? Uh, maybe, like, this time of year, if the weather was right, say, like, next week when we do game, I would. Okay. If With the proper setup, it can be done really well, but yeah, in my experience of running games out in the forest... Even being prepared, it has its own difficulties. Best laid plans and all that. Best laid plans. Well, like, even when you, uh, you're in a tent. We took over uh, Nezh's tent. tent. Oh, no, that was your that tent. That was That's my right. tent, because that tent's in the garage. Well, knowing that, she always goes for the biggest tent possible. But that was definitely your tent. And we all clustered in there, and it was actually a nice fit and everything. Problem was seating. We're on hard-packed ground. 
Yeah. It sucked balls, especially for a battle map. And then I'm like having to lean forward on my knees with sticks and rocks and stuff, trying to jam, jam up underneath my kneecap. Yeah. And it, like, it, it got to the point, you know, after about 10 minutes, yeah. 10 minutes, 10 brief minutes, everyone went and got their bed pad, you know, their inflated mattress or rollout mat or whatever it was. Brought it in, just yeah. so that they would have something that wasn't just stick bone and. Now, if we iron. were doing a theater of the mind game, no problem. But yeah. the fact is, we had a battle map, and that actually exacerbated a lot of problems with running the game out there. Yeah, well, that, that makes and sense. And then even beyond that, the number one thing is always: can you see the dice? Yeah, reliably yeah. and easily. Yeah, see, can you see like the a... dice reliably and easily? I, I guess the thing it becomes then is, you know, if you are going to game outside, make sure you have dice with bright numbers on it. Well, it's not just that, because, like, these are glow-in-the-dark. I just picked these up. These are from my Halloween set. Oh, that's cool. So, all right. Yeah, I'm going to take a look at these. Oh, uh, actually, cool. I know yeah. that, well, while you're looking at the dice, I know that Blasphemous over here has used one of my tricks to really mess with players, <laughs> and I'm going to represent that one this year, <laughs> and that is give everybody a bowl. All right, just Kazer Ken gets a bowl, you get a bowl, Blasphemous gets a bowl, our listeners get a bowl, everybody gets a bowl. It's a bowl for everybody. And inside the bowl, you put strips of some sort of stackable material in a specific amount. All right, so your character has 12 hit points. You get 12 strips of beef jerky, little thin strips of beef jerky put in your bowl. And Kazarkan, he's, he's playing a rogue, so he's got six strips of beef jerky. Oh, plus two because he's got a con bonus. So now he's got eight strips of beef jerky. And over here, we've got the sorcerer. He gets his D6 of beef jerky and no con bonus. And when somebody takes damage at the table, so you get attacked. You've got mm -hmm. 12 strips of beef jerky. The enemy does a 1D4 plus one. Averages out to three points of damage. Now, you take three of those beef uh, jerky sticks out of your uh, bowl and eat them. Or better yet, I take those three strips out, especially in a zombie campaign. I take those three strips out of your bowl yeah. and I eat them. I like it. So you get a visual representation in that bowl of how much health you have left. And by eating your health points in front of you, that just goes to show that if you're like fighting something the undead or supernatural horror... It is I'm, trying to chomp you. Basically, yeah, I'm giving, like, a subtle, not a very subtle reference that it's eating your life force. That's your bowl. That's your life. And I'm just reaching in there and taking your life points out and munching on it. <laughs> mm, I yummy. Like I like so here, you're fighting the wraith, and here I am eating your life, and a wraith is known as a life-stealing creature. Yeah. So Good representation, too, especially if we go with beef jerky. It makes me think of, like, you know, uh, corpse flesh or some shit. Yeah, well, beef, exactly. and beef jerky would like, be great for corpse flesh. Yeah. Of course, you know, even at other times when it's not spoopy time or whatever, you can just put Skittles in the bowl or sure. M&M's or... Uh, something simple. Chocolate you know, covered coffee beans. Yeah, cat oh, food. Yeah, chunks oh. of tuna fish. Chunks of tuna fish. Yeah, whatever works, you know, as long as it's a countable stack of something. That you know what, we, we'll just go with 20s. Everybody has a set number of 20s equal to their life points. Every time you one is removed, I get the 20. <laughs> um, yeah, but just, no. just bring a bowl full of dollar bills and that will be the way I'm playing the game from now on yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah with with the ambiance like you guys have experienced it with the way I try to set things up and just little things like gestures while speaking or the tone of voice or the tenor of the words you know sure 
inflection does wonders. Yeah, and, and it's it's one of those great things. Like people are like, oh, well, you need to have like the the three D two scale fucking embedded fucking gaming area for me to move my minis around. I'm like, nah, dude, I can creep you out a lot more with fucking a piece of paper, the minis, and someone with a vape. Actually, it's kind <laughs> of fun. Uh, speaking of minis. And this is a trick I picked up. I learned it by accident, actually, like, fuck, 12 years ago or so. Is put false positives on the battle map. Hmm. Oh, yeah. So when I'm setting up a battle map, and I did this specifically because the map I was uh, creating had gargoyles in it along the walls. Okay. The gargoyles were purely intended and were in the encounter decorative. There was nothing to them, whatever. I just had some minis that happened to look like gargoyles. And so as I'm drawing out the battle map and placing things around, I put the gargoyle minis along the wall, and I point out to the group, those are gargoyles. They were terrified of those minis on the battle map, even though they were just nothing more than a representation of statues lining the walls. Oh, that's a good one. So it was basically putting a false positive out. I like that. So you don't, right? you, you don't you, they hear the word gargoyle, they're like, okay, I'm gonna have to fight this thing. Why isn't it attacking me? Why isn't it attacking me? Make, make us? them paranoid. Make what? them paranoid. You yeah. can do the What's same thing. If you have like a dungeon and you want to put a treasure chest down. Yeah. You, and you have a miniature of a mimic. <laughs> put that where the treasure chest is, and if somebody says something, you'd be like, Oh well I lost my miniature for the normal treasure chest. Don't worry about it. <laughs> just play it off all cool. They will be terrified of that mini on the table thinking, oh, the GM is screwing with me. That's really going to be a mimic, even though he's telling me it's not a mimic. Then they open up in the chest and you're like, yeah, it's not a mimic. <laughs> I legit, it's like, this time I was legit. This time I was legit. I really couldn't find the mini. So I misplaced it with quotation fingers. So what would be a good example? <laughs> so you got them all paranoid now, right? So how do you spring, you know, the real, uh, you know, encounter Thumper. on them? Yeah, the, the real big thumper. Yeah, you know, thump in the night. Okay, I got I, a good one for that. Okay. Ooh. okay, all right, all right. I've been wanting to save this one, but you know what? I'll spread it on the podcast. All right. So you have the group playing along, right? You're just okay. going through. You're building up. You're building up. You know, the house smells like fucking wintry goodness and whatever. It's a Krampus campaign or something. Oh, Krampus, BDSM Santa. Yep. Yeah. And so then you get to a point in the story where everything seems fine and calm and everyone's starting to relax. And you turn to one of the players and you say, all right, you finally wake up tied up in the back room of the inn. And everyone's like, wait, but he's been traveling with us. You pick up their mini, switch it out for a changeling or whatever fucking demon beast, djinn, whatever. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. And then now they have to fight this like level 18 fucking horror that's just been traveling with them and knows their weaknesses and stories now and the person who they were pretending to be was actually playing along the whole time and then their character is in the back of the inn and about to be assassinated oh that, i like that that's a good one that's dastardly yeah it's very yeah. dastardly yes hey let me ask you guys this one uh you know still uh fledgling gm here are there game mechanics for, like, um, possession? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. demonic oh, yeah. possession? Absolutely. I've got a book for Pathfinder you'd have to read on that. It's the, uh, uh, fuck, Ultimate Horror. Ultimate Horror? Okay. Yeah, like, yeah. He, like uh, I was kind of playing off of those rules. I did homebrew some of it. The encounter which broke our last D&D game, yeah. uh, that's kind of famous amongst this group now, Just was a trap with the uh, possession mechanics 
included into it. So instead of being an entity who actively seeks out somebody, it was a trap that a player had to trigger first before the possession started taking hold. But yeah, there's totally rules for possession. Okay. And see, he's already looking it up to help you out. Oh, yeah, look at that. Thanks. Absolutely, yeah. Our Thanks audience loves looking at this SRD right now, even though we're an audio podcast. I'm sure they're getting an eyeful. I can completely read it <laughs> off once we find it. I know. Uh, for horror, though, when I want to spring something on somebody, yeah, there's usually a buildup of the unknown. Yeah, I was thinking about doing that for a, a campaign myself, actually. Yeah. yeah. Like, the uh, like one of them that I do, and of course, is like spooky noises. And I watch a lot of uh, horror movies, uh, creepypastas, scary videos, stuff like this. Yeah. Because the GM is never done learning. There's always new tips, new tricks. It's always wise to, to pursue other GMs other than yourself or the ones you're comfortable with. Yeah. There's always a nugget out there that would go good in your tool bag. So I'm always looking for other tricks. And, and some of these have worked out really well. The group is walking along, they're going through a house, and there's footsteps on the second floor. Yeah. They go up to the second floor, there's nobody there. Yeah, I like. I really like And then they go back that. downstairs, and a door is open. Yeah. I don't explain shit. And then when the big reveal comes, it's like, okay, we're leaving. We're leaving the house. We're going away. And, of course, everybody feels that their home is the safest place. So they run back home. And I did this to him, not in a horror campaign, but he went back home to find it. Burn down. Huh. Yep. So if I was doing a horror campaign, you know, they're, they're encountering some kind of like spectral phenomenon. Sure. The ghost decides to go, you know what? Player number random roll. I'm going to follow them home and screw with their stuff just like they screwed with my stuff. I like that. I, I like to keep, you know. Um... There's that big reveal of being alone. So if they go back to their house and the ghost starts messing with them in the middle of the night, now they got to call the other party members and be like, dudes, come over here, I need help now. Cleric! <laughs> exactly. Um, so if you start a combat encounter, and there's only one player there, and he's waiting for the other ones to get there, and you're like, oh yeah, they're about ten minutes away. Yeah. It adds a lot of, oh my god, I'm in a bad fucking place. Yeah. <laughs> ten minutes without your combat buddies means... By the Forever time... Forever in a day. It means that you could wind up dead... 18 times, depending on the level of the monster and yourself, up to 18 times between the time when your call for help reached your buddies mm. and the time they show up to walk to see your dead corpse. Mm. Or even if they're together, you know, even, even then, you know, the ghost can still mess with them. Yeah. You know, when it comes to, like, ghosts and stuff, um, you know, spirits, haunts, wraiths, phantoms, uh, I think the most common, um, uh, indicators that you're probably dealing with an entity, at least that I see in a, a lot of other players and GMs when I talk to them about their campaigns, it, it's always, you know, the uh, uh, sounds that are, you know, li like you were saying, blas blasphemous, um, you know, there's like a footsteps they hear, you know, just a soul. I'm, I'm going to tap on the table, you know, just a soul. You know, coming from, uh, yeah, you know, it's something subtle. And that stuff is great. But what are, what do you guys think as veteran GMs here? Wh what do you think are some other good, um, Maybe some new, uh, fresh, original indicators that you could use. Because, like, well, one of the me, indicators uh, definitely yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, is ahead. to know your audience. Okay. Okay. Um, and I know we talked a little bit about this two years ago for we did, but, uh, but let's recently, uh, and to bring a recent example, the group of players I'm running in a Rifts game right now encountered a skinwalker. 
Only one player at the table has full cognizant knowledge of what a skinwalker is and what it is capable of. Everybody else was clueless. Dude, I'll, I'll be... So, it was a terrifying thing. Let's yeah. just... As one of those players, that was a terrifying adventure. Those, yeah, those are just... Yeah, so a skinwalker shows up, and I got two players sitting there who are like, nah. One of them is basically pissing himself over in the corner. He's like, nope, nope, we don't fight this. Uh, no, yeah, please don't. Kaz please, has please an don't. idea of what I'm pulling out of my ass. Yeah. I, I have an idea. It's he's, like he's got something. An idea. It's, it's something. And I don't want to face it. But, yeah, I dropped the word skinwalker. One player absolutely fucking gets it. Full white sheet face. Full white sheet face. He is like, fuck this, I'm out of combat. <laughs> he that's, just, that's the smart <laughs> He just straight up nope trains out, because he's already, he's heard about the Skinwalker Ranch and the Skinwalker stories and a bunch of the creepy pauses and stuff. Yeah. He's looked up the Native American lore about them. He's been on out. He's seen the In a Woods Green texts. Yeah. He is like, <laughs> fuck it, I am out. One of the other players, uh, he's got his power armor on, and he's like, screw it, you know, I'm in power armor and I've got a rail gun, and pops a shot at it, and the two glowing eyeballs decide to run off in opposite directions while uh, cackling. Yeah. <clears throat> and then he's like, I am not dealing with something I can shoot. Well, here's my question. Was he a smart boy? Did he uh, coat the tips of his bullets in ash? Nope. Nope. Well, there you go. It's a rail gun. It would burn the ash off. I know. Yeah. But and, still. you know, here's the secondary thing. What organism can take its eyeballs and go two different directions? Two one-eyed creatures standing real close together. Exactly. And it's like... Siamese twins who have just been separated with a hatchet. God damn. <laughs> Right? Oh. This is spooktacular. This is normal. Yeah, um, we're being spooky here, so we can be a little bit more gross than normal. Sure. But, like, after that... You know, the one dude in the group who who actually, like, skinwalker, bad juju, we are not prepped for this, voices it, and we're like, all right, let's listen to that, because that's more information than any of the rest of us have right now. Yeah. One dude's paranoid? There's probably a reason. Yeah. So, so definitely know your audience, and because, you, you know, you brought up, you know, sounds are very significant to get your players. Yeah. And here I'm coming from this spectacular from the element of the unknown. Mm -hmm. And like you just asked, what kind of creature can run off in two separate directions with glowing eyes? Yeah. That's an unknown. Yeah, so yeah. That, that's more of like a, a visual. So I'm dropping visual the visual note. description there that yeah. in the dark, something with two eyes looking at you runs off in separate directions while the eyes are still looking at you. To nope, a normal, nope, nope. rational person... This is an unknown. Nothing like that exists that we know of. Yeah, your your brain is going to be going, uh-oh. <laughs> now, now, if we were out camping, I would specifically go out of my way to buy two yellow uh, glow sticks, get two toilet paper rolls, <laughs> an X-Acto knife, and some string, and intentionally before a game, set it up so I put about... Yeah, a good hundred feet out away from the campground. So you're going to go take a piss? Say I'm going to go take a piss. I would put these up in uh, toilet paper rolls in the trees with holes pre-cut out that look in the shape of eyes. Yeah. And put the glow sticks in there. And then, you know, when I say, oh, yeah, your dude shoots at it and the eyes fly off in different directions, I'd be like, and I would specifically point at one and be like, one eye looks like it's over there. And the other eye, and specifically point at another one, that eye looks like it's over there. Nope, that would, nope, nope, that would nope. be a total visual fuck fest for people, is to actually look out in the woods while camping and see yellow eyeballs in the forest like you just described. That's a good one. That's, that is, a good one. Yeah. that's actually pretty cheap. Like, all you'd need is some string, 
two used paper towel rolls. Like you, you can get use... a couple of glow sticks for ninety nine cents each. The little small ones. Oh sure, yeah. Toilet paper rolls are free because you get them with the toilet paper. Hell, I think if you go to a party store, you can get even like the little mini ones, like kids wear around their necks for like a fucking less than a dollar. Yeah, absolutely. You can find a hundred pack of the little tiny ones you put in those uh, what are those mask deals. They're, they're oh like, yeah, they're like three inches. Yeah, yeah. And they're yeah. bright as hell for like an hour. Nice. But um. Oh man, doing stuff like that, like practical effects are really good. Um, An but, accomplice is also really good with uh, oh, practical yeah. effects. Yeah. A confederate. Yeah, I, I, you know, like if your friend is getting off of work at 9 p.m. Mm. and he's going to be passing by your house on the way to his house at 9.15, do your damnest best to run the game up to a certain point around 9.15 or whatever, you know, and say, you know, there's sounds of things like bashing on the walls as they're trying to break in and initiate combat with the group. So, yeah, you know, like you could set it up so your group is basically holding back a door from the ravages of the undead or horrible creatures. And you go, you know, there's pounding on the, yeah. on the door. And, you know, your friend just stops by and cop knocks on your front bang, door. Bang, 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 yeah, Exactly. You know what I think would be even better is um, have it just a little out of sync, you know? So, um... Let it be fresh enough in their minds that, you know, they might be remembering it. Um, oh, yeah, even after the encounter, you know. Yeah, like, even after the, the encounter. The encounter's done at, like, 8.45 or whatever, but 30 minutes later, just bang, bang, bang. Yeah, Nobody exactly. ordered pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, that's a good one, but, uh, oh, man, soundboards can be so good. In fact, I got to find my old uh, tablet. And see if it still works, and uh, just see if I can get a fucking haunted soundboard deal going on. Uh, actually, I got one on my phone. I will actually drop the link on it at the end of the podcast, because it's a excellent collection of soundboards. Mm-hmm. That is good uh, Good advice, sir. Yeah, and because the thing about it, especially if you can hook it up to the wireless fucking Bluetooth. Yeah. It's like, say like with the setup I've got downstairs, I've got that big, you know, uh, seating thing, the, the bench that's attached to... Well, it's not attached to the wall, but the the big bench against the wall, that's all covered. If I put my fucking Bluetooth speaker, like, kind of under and behind that and just slowly increase the volume ever so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Creepy sounds. And then oh, Give yeah. Gregorian some Gregorian chants. Like, um, Gimpy, you remember him. Oh, yeah. He, at a, at a time, was, like, the marketing manager for a company, right? Mm-hmm. And what he wanted to do was get pinhole speakers, right, place them around the room and draw something that looks like a demonic sigil on the wall, right? So when you walk in, you see this big sigil and just slowly eke up Gregorian chants. So the longer you're in there, the longer and louder that this chanting feels, and now you've got this pictogram of something spooky and just you know, if he could figure out a way to dim the lights in that dumb office, he probably would have done it too. (laughs) <laughs> but all of a sudden, you you know, this casual business meeting turns oh, into, oh, I don't want to be here. Is if he went up and got, like, with the maintenance guys and had them pull out every light bulb just enough and then leave, like, just three or four of them as flash. Yeah. flash, flash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right? so annoying. It is, but it would get the spook factor up. Don't do this if you have epileptic gamers at your table. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> yeah, especially with red lights, very bad. Yeah. But, but no, there's there's all kinds of fun stuff to do with, like, getting soundboards together or, hell, all we've done the last couple times is just, I pull up YouTube or you pull up YouTube and we look up 
scary sound video 10 hour loop. Yeah, honestly, sometimes that's good enough. You don't really need to be elaborate. I mean, if you do, go for it. I mean, shit. Yeah, but, if, you're, if you're willing to get elaborate, yeah, just straight up, if you have one room dedicated to gaming, yeah, you know, decorate the shit out of it. Do yeah. it. <laughs> do it. Uh, no, actually, it, there was one guy, he had a theme room, and he specialized mostly in like the cyberpunk genre and Shadowrun, stuff like that. And he decked it out so, like, one wall was painted to look like a cityscape, and another one had pictures of cyborgs and shit on it. Hmm. So as you're sitting there gaming, if it's not your turn, you can still turn left or turn right and still see something relevant to the game you're playing. That's a good way to do it. You know, so, yeah. I mean, if you're doing a, a Halloween game, feel free to leave a bloody rubber heart on the counter. <laughs> you know, just whatever decorations suit your fancy. Yeah. God, imagine if we use this room as the dedicated gaming room. <laughs> I would totally have my GM stuff set up probably on that side, but I the bookshelf's here, so it might do better here. Yeah. And just have a long fucking table. Yeah, I through. mean, it would be an interesting way to do it, and this room has decently good soundproofing. Mm-hmm. No, it needs a hell of a lot better, but we'll have to see. Yeah, it needs on. a lot better because I'm still getting echo. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, uh, That's the name of the game. Uh, That's the name of the game. Yeah, like soundboards, though. Enough about the room. Our listeners can't see it. Just saying. Yeah. We are not a video podcast because I've pulled back our tent stakes from YouTube because they're doing it's stupid. YouTube. They're doing stupid shit yet again. And you know what? That's a good idea. If you're running a spooky game, get your players super frustrated with like random advertisements at the stupidest fucking times. <laughs> Eat a fucking dick, YouTube. Bit shoot for the win. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, we, we've done this. I, I did one game, and I just wanted to hear what it sounded like, right? I, I got my soundboard loaded up, and I pressed a button that said, you know, creaky door. Uh-huh. And people were like, did that just happen? You know, it sounds instantly get attention. Yeah. If the players are walking through a graveyard, and you press a button that says child laughing, that's a very inappropriate sound, but a child laughing in a graveyard has a completely different context than a child laughing at the playground or in the sewage plant. Or the tavern. Or the tavern. You know, kids go to restaurants just the same as people, as, you know, adults do. Even a quick audio zinger will grab people's attention. Or if you can do it right, like I'm trying to do with my little tablet and they can't see behind the GM screen, you got just propped up there. And just, you've got the uh, woods music spooky nighttime playing. Yeah. And then you just hit the owl flies by. Creature flies by. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I got a soundboard, uh, and, and like I said, I'm going to list it at the end of the podcast episode when we go through our closing statements and stuff. But the soundboard that I found, just randomly, on Plebit, I think it was, or some other forum, don't know. Anyway, actually has like this music track in it that I'm waiting for your vampire game to start up. Okay. Because the character concept is they walk in, throat punch somebody, no fucks given, <laughs> and then turn around, leave, well, you with no reason. For no reason. Like, that's the, the whole character concept is they're just violent, and that's it. Yeah, they're just violent. They're just violent. They'll just, like, walk up to a random passerby, and the group needs to interrogate them, so the character's intent to interrogate somebody will be to grab them by the neck, use their vampiric strength, and choke slam them on the ground, turn around, and walk away. And then the soundboard is I'm going to press one button, which I have selected to be the character's theme music. 
I, I, so they when they walk away, theme music plays. <laughs> I'm imagining a vampiric ver- version of that uh, video, the slap. You know, the guy, the picture. Yes, exactly. Yes. It, it's basically <laughs> a vampire with the powers of the slap. <laughs> I like. That. I'm excited for this. They just walk in and just start slapping everybody. Bare hand. Just, you know, fuck you. The, just walk into the princess. Yeah, just, just walk into the princess. You know, chest all puffed out, ready for action. You know. <laughs> The doorman greets him and says, I need your jacket. Bam! Slapped. (laughs) His bodyguard, hey, you're not allowed to be in the prince's presence. Slap. Exactly. How? They walk out there, look at the car keys, of course. You know, the the guy standing behind the thing is like, you know, what's your, uh, you know, make and model of your car? They just slap him and take the key. Yeah. (laughs) Go get it themselves. (laughs) Uh, Oh, my God. I know what this character nickname would be. Talc. Talc. Because he's just got this little pouch of talcum powder. He just, puh. Slap! <laughs> I'm trying to imagine like a, a just, just, just like a vampire walking down the street. Some random hooker walks up and says, "Hey, baby, want to have fun time?" Guess what? Slap! I'm trying to imagine like some uh, like a horror campaign where that is the creature you're trying to uh, deal with, get away from. Like you're walking down a lonely alley, and then you just like look behind you and you see under that one lonely streetlight. You know, actually, there's a book in Vampire <laughs> the Requiem that would work really well for that. I have the Requiem, so... Yeah, you have the Requiem. Actually, yeah. you need another book for the doing this, is uh, Slasher. Okay. Uh, out of the Slasher books, they have various different archetypes of serial killers. That and works. this, the this, this slap is basically the iconic juggernaut style of serial killer. So, Jason Voorhees. Yeah. But instead of a machete, it's his open hand. <laughs> <laughs> when he gets you, just... Ow! He just, he <laughs> just slaps the you. Death by Spoon. Death by spoon. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, instead, yeah, to put it in a monster codex instead of a displacer beast, it's a disrespecter beast. A disrespecter beast. <laughs> I've always liked the bipolar bear. Bipolar bear. <laughs> and the cute little girl with uh, a multicolored dress and rainbow knee socks, rainbow blight. <laughs> <laughs> she will ruin your day. Yeah. And speaking about ruining people's day in a horror game, you know, you, yeah. You need to, uh, this is a lesson I learned, avoid goofy shit. Yeah. Uh, Painful Blight, Bipolar Bears, uh, The Misplacer Beast. The Slap. The Slap. If you're running a horror game and you want to creep out your players, avoid stuff like this. Also avoid, he's got one in his game, The Land of Dolem. Yeah. In a not spooky game, just fine. It adds humor to the, the game world. A lot of people want to add humor to their game worlds, or just a, something that's silly, funny. Yeah, a little a, levity. A little levity, a tip hat, a nod towards something. Yeah. However, the people from the land of Dolem are known as Dolemites. So if he is running a spooky game yeah. in Dolem, he has just killed all tension in that game with a running joke. Yep. <laughs> so even the smallest joke can kill a horror game, and you got to be really careful about this. So if you ha- or you're you're tipping your hat towards something that's non horror related and it's kind of like a cheeky inside joke, yeah, it kills all tension. Sure, sure. And that's the key is is like you got to keep that tension up, right? That anticipation that what is out there, that what is making you know. I'm hearing rats scurrying. There are cats here that should be eating those. Yeah. Yeah, Why rats in the having... wall is a, a very terrifying thing. And a, a story uh, that's horror is because, yeah, you're getting the audio cues of things scritching in the walls, but you cannot obviously see them 
And anybody who's read anything about Cthulhu mythos knows that it's not rats. It's got to be worse. Yeah. <laughs> or you could totally take a book uh, or a page out of the book of like, um, the fuck was it called? Um, Stranger Things. Where it's not just that they're rats, they are actually blight-carrying rats that they explode into a mist that infects people. Yeah. I mean, you can do that and just, you know, have a rat run by and then keel over, wait a couple of seconds, and pop. Good timing. Yeah. 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 Somebody over here needs a slice of pizza, man. Good timing with that stomach guts. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hoping it's not gas. I mean, it could go either way. We'll see. That's the spooky bit. That's the spooky bit. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, so there, there's a lot of tricks you could use at your, your table to creepify it and make things spookier. And, of course, yeah, sure. Uh, like the tip hat that I do, even I would not go that far. And my tip hat is towards a horror movie uh, series, my favorite horror series. Yeah. And if I drop the players in a town that I always base off this horror series that appears in every one of my fantasy games... Those who know me get the reference. Yes, they are prepared for horrible, spooky shenanigans, but on the other hand, they know that I'm going to be defensible of this town as a GM. It's, it's, a, it's a personal location to me based on something I like. So a player who's clever about it, you know, and just basic psychology would know that if they start ruining this town, things get bad. But if they play along, they're going to have a sweet, fun joyride. Yeah. They can you know. just sit down and ride on the rails... And that also takes away from tension because all they know is they have to just sit on the ride, keep their arms inside, and the rest will just do itself. <laughs> Mike's Taclossa. Mm-hmm. I mean, at, you know, at that point, it's you know, it's your standard haunted house shtick. So is is that sort of yeah. mentality that you take with it, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, even like haunted haunted corn mazes or anything of the sort. Anything. Corn mazes are fuck all scary. <laughs> they yeah. can be. Yeah. Especially if, say, you're in a magical setting and every time you try to do the cheap move of, I'm just going to burst through the rows, all of a sudden it's endless fields of corn. Well, that's what it feels like being in a cornfield normally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those things Especially are. Especially in Kansas. Those are th- those things can be about six feet, six and a half feet, in some cases, seven, depending on, you know, soil. Yeah, and the size of the s- fucking spiders that sometimes. Size of the there. spiders and yeah, shit. Yeah. 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 But running out into a cornfield, dude, like everything that's in rows that is planted, you go deep enough and... It's just a seat. You spin around one time and you've lost all sense of direction. Yeah. 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 Show of the corn, that's a good one. It's like playing Skyrim and running into uh, the Soul Cairn and the Soul Cairn is glitched so you can't see any of the buildings. <laughs> Yeah, I've actually had that happen. That's that's shitty. Yeah, the the soul cairn is just. Ugh. But it does have Saint Jib. Saint Jib is pretty good. I hate right. this quest so much. <laughs> Another interesting one. All right. Deliberately physics break a creature. The creature, you know, you're fighting. A, let's say a wolf, just because we've picked on a few different animals to right now. Sure. Right. You know, this wolf. You fight it. After a little bit, it gets wounded, and then you get this glitch in the matrix, and it's either gone, it's in an abnormal shape, or its spine tears out and tries to sting you like a scorpion tail, (laughs) or you do something completely batshit sideways. Take the thing root. (laughs) Or, if you really want to fuck with your players. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, super fuck with And of course, this is, again, one of those crazy-ass areas. 
But the group goes into the end, they go to lay down, and you're like, oh, while, while you're in the end, it gets invaded by, you know, these horrible monster creatures or whatever. And set it up, you know, be subtle about it, but not subtle at the same time, if you get my drift. Yeah. And set it up so the players think that their characters are dreaming. This is, of course, a complete distraction. What's really going on is going on. So somebody goes, oh, you know, I'm going to go rail the tavern winch. Yeah. Yeah. So the characters all go into bed and they're railing and, you know, they got their bed warmers and stuff. And, like, the tavern winch screams and, like, her intestines fly out of her body and try to strangle player X to death. Well, of course, everybody else wakes up and they're like, oh, this is crazy, you know, because there's like a weird fog outside and everything seems to be at a Dutch angle, kind of sideways. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you guys went to bed and this is just like off the wall, super crazy shit. Yeah. And then the players are going to expect to wake up. And then you drop the bomb on them that this wasn't a dream. <laughs> that's good yeah. do that for your horror story opener and they will never know what to fucking expect mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, especially like right after they go to bed you know and if you've done dream sequences before they'll expect this and they'll be like dad this one wasn't a dream dude like her guts really ripped open you can like the you... big bad evil guy's a transmuter who decided to screw with you guys because you've been screwing with his plans <laughs> you know yeah <sighs> polymorph with necromancy going on top there you go. Yeah, that's how you do that it. That dude was fucked up. Oh, him? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was fucked up nine ways to Sunday. <laughs> On Sunday. On Sunday. Yeah, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely and. Yeah. When flesh is a toy, flesh is a toy. Yeah. Your flesh was his clay. He wanted to make you beautiful. <laughs> in his vision. I mean, didn't you have a? Uh, an... Halfling variant that did that sort of thing and butterflied people. That was actually a character I played, and part of the reason I played that character was to, again, because horror, <laughs> was to fuck with the GM. And I included, you know, the the, the wrist motion of my hand going up and down, uh-huh. like I'm holding a box cutter. Yeah. And, or a paintbrush. Or a paint br- br- a paintbrush. You could go either way. We go into a city, and I request um, a servant of a specific height, weight, size, proportion, gender, all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, because I knew the GM's proclivities towards protecting people of a certain age demographic, much like myself, but it's role-playing. It's fantasy. Yeah. Nobody is really getting hurt. Uh, so it's okay to you know indulge in a little bit of fantasy that gives my GM the creepies. Yeah. And that's all the reason I did it. So I'm playing this uh, Blackguard Paladin who's supposed to be, you know, a champion of truth and justice and the... And beauty. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> yeah, the ways of his kingdom, which... He also considered himself to be an artist. An avant-garde artist, ahead of his time. Yeah. So when they bring the servant in, I rip the clothes off the servant, present the servant to the lord of the castle and be like, Behold, I am one of the greatest artists in all the land. And I run this broken dagger up the spinal column of no. the servant. And as I'm running, the, and I do this in real life, I'm raising my hand up and jogging my wrist so it looks like I'm popping my hand off a vertebrae on the way up. <laughs> and, and describe it. You know, I'm like, behold, pop, 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 pop. And the GM's just like, oh, oh, oh five minute break. <laughs> That's like some Conrad Kurz level shit, if you'll forgive the 40K reference. Yeah. 
That's uh, what he did when he got bored. I, I think this is where I got most of my practice before I started GMing more full time. Is yeah. my antics of being gross, mischievous, vile, and an absolute horrible monster to my GM, who Ad to his credit put up with my shit for years. <laughs> and I yeah, thank props. him for it because I got a lot of that weird muck out of my system. Yeah. And for running horror games now, I can rely on this stuff. And yeah, people can walk in and see the antics of former characters I've played because they make excellent horror NPCs. I don't have to conjure anything new. I'm like, this character got an entire table to feel uncomfortable. Now it's going to be an NPC to make an entire group feel uncomfortable for the duration of a short story. And, like, that's another thing, you know? That reuse of characters with different groups. If it's done right, you can make a character a full life arc and have your players be none the wiser. Oh, I can... Uh, I, fuck, dude. I could run a D&D game right now. Well, actually, Pathfinder. Because D&D new rules are just bad. Yeah. This is Spooktober, <clears throat> not Edition Bash. I know it's Spooktober, not Edition Bash, but the artwork in those books is spooky. I mean, who pays money for that garbage? I could do better with a coloring book. Anyway, <laughs> if I ran a Pathfinder game right now yeah. and invited even one or two of you to the group, uh, let's let's say Blasphemous, he's out uh, doing things with the old lady, and you guys show up, and another player shows up, and I got you three at the table. And, of course, Blasphemous would love to hear about the story later, you know, if it happened. But I could say, oh, yeah, your characters fall asleep, and you are presented a challenge by this Manila dream demon, and as you fight a creature, it takes on 13 separate forms. <laughs> hmm. You two would definitely get it, and player number three, who's never fought this thing before, would, would be see like, the fear the in your guys' eyes, thinking that, I, you know, whether I am or not, it would be uncomfortable for you guys to think I'm necroing the big bad evil guy from a previous campaign and pulling some of his antics into a new one. That's good. You know, alluding yeah. that, you know, he survived. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Or there's echoes of the past. I like that. Or, you know, in the in the defeat of it, now his minions are without tether. Oh, I see. I which see. is also a perfectly valid thing. Like Oh, absolutely valid. I mean, if you kill the big bad evil guy, there's bound to be a power vacuum. Right. And now that there's a power vacuum or a lack of control, like we'll, we'll use the undead example, right? An organized undead army requires someone to control an organized army. Otherwise, they will mill about and fuck off and probably munch whatever's nearby. Yeah, those eight battalions the party never found in the lower catacombs just start clawing their way out and They're pop out of now. the ground 50 years later yeah. after the party's all old and gray. <laughs> and for no fucking reason, because as far as anyone knows, that guy died. Yeah. Mm. Or at least he better have. No. Well, he died, died. He undied. He, he undeaded. He redied. What is death to someone who's mastered it? Boredom. I just thought it was, you know, a Bethesda game. <laughs> that too. Yeah. I mean, I actually directly quoted out of a video game, Eratos, Lord of the Dead. But oh. like, it's part of it's part of their whole shtick. Is like, fine if we're gonna go that route. Vordor <laughs> was right. We are gods. Dark gods. And it is our duty to cull the herd. <laughs> See? See? Cain from Legacy of Cain. PlayStation era. 
Never played Legacy <laughs> of Kain. Oh, it was great, dude. The main character. And this was actually a fun game because it was one of the first times you got to play the villain. And you were just a complete cockbag. <laughs> Vain, egotistical, arrogant, sure of himself. And it's like, dude, you just got stabbed to death outside of a bar. Now you're bragging about how you're badass and you're going to go kill whoever did this to you? <laughs> you know what? Props for hubris. Yeah. I mean, if you got it in spades, run with it. Yeah. If you got it, just run with it. <laughs> and actually, that's one. And unless you got a, uh, a good group of actual mature people or people who have accomplished it in the past individually or whatever. Yeah. If your game is to play the opposite role where you actually uh, let the players play the monsters in my personal experience, doing an evil only game tends to turn into fucking utter chaos because people tend to forget that evil tends to band together for the basic reasons good bands together. Survival. Yeah. And unless your players are mature enough to realize that, you know, if they go and stab the fighter, that's one less person in their group when the good guys come to beat the crap out of us. <laughs> right. Yeah. So an evil party is bound to work together. Any evil nation is bound to work together. Any evil organization or group. That's why they get together for these things. Yeah. The whole even, point. Yeah, even in modern times when you look at conspiracy theories, these con conspiracy theories focus on organizations and groups yeah. who are all working together for common evil goals. They're not going to go, well, since I'm lawful evil and you're less lawful evil than me, I'm going to stab him. Yeah. I mean, no. let's be real here. Lawful evil has a purpose in mind. Yeah, Chaotic evil, is. you're more likely to go and faff off on your own, but if you're I not playing know. it smart... You're going to wind up dead in short order. Chaotic evil, uh, I've taken kind of a new interpretation of in recent years, and that's let the dice fall where they may. Violence happens. If robbers jump out and attack the wagon in front of you, well, that shit happens. They got a bad roll on the dice. <laughs> so It's almost and, kind of apathy. It's kind of an apathy. You're a bit of a free spirit. It's not attacking you. You're still free to do what you want. But it's not, I'm Chaos Incarnate. Yeah. And even, like, Chaos Incarnate, Chaos is just change. When you think about it, Chaos, chaos is, is actually change. pure order. In its own right, At yes. the heart of absolute chaos lies perfection and order. Did this just... guy gets it. Hmm. Because you can predict that at the heart of absolute chaos, everything will be absolutely chaotic. Therefore, it is predictable. Ergo, order. Aragorn, it is order. Yeah. And, like, even... I think you... the Commissar is going to want to speak to you there, heretic. <laughs> <laughs> Very different context. I know. Yeah. I, I had... To. It's my thing. Their, their version of chaos is closer to anarchy. Yeah. Which is a different word for a reason. Well, no, the chaos is chaos because literally one of them is a change of voice, but when we're talking anarchy, we have the orcs to thank for that. Anyway... Spooky. Yeah, spooky. So, uh, like, I, uh, going back to my first topic, though, sure. is find ways to fuck with your players without going overboard. Yeah. You know what? Infections are great. If you're doing a horror campaign, yellow mold. Holding them all hostage in your home. Uh, black puddings. Yeah. yeah. Little things like that. Bring in creatures into your game, even if they have trivial effects. Something that gives a player... Even a mild negative two to one of their stats that they focus on. Uh -huh. That's going to spook them. 
Is is it gonna spook him? Isn't wasn't that why you you went full ham once with your? Yes, because the hag was attacking the strength stat, and that was the stat that made my character go. You could do anything else you wanted to that character. It's okay. Leave the strength stat alone. When the hag hit strength, she had to fucking die. Six attacks later on my turn, she was fucking dead. <laughs> you wanted me to go, and then wasn't it like you taunted the, the GMs? Like, you fucking forced my hand. I did. I told the GM he forced my hand. I did not want to go full uh, Hamhawk. But what I'm saying, though, is if you introduce something into your game, yeah, and of course, let your players uh, open the traps. It's easy. Make the traps obvious if you want to, or don't. You know, like, for some reason, if you leave something shiny that looks like treasure, people will try to pick it up and claim it. Yeah. You know, make cursed items beneficial enough that people want to keep them before the curse kicks in. Then they will hate their life. And in a horror campaign, if I add a mold into a room, a spore room, and they got to make a fortitude save. Yeah. They go in the spore room, the spore blossom explodes, whatever, because the thief doesn't catch that the ceiling has a spore monster on it. Everybody makes a fortitude save. Those that fail lose special vision qualities hmm. because the spores are infecting their eyes. Yeah. And describe that every hour in game time, mm-hmm. in, or actually in real life, their vision, their character's vision range is reduced by ten. Huh? It will. They'll, they'll live, but having a blind character, they will be terrified. They will try to get as much accomplished in the next three hours as possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Especially if their healer is near tapped out. Like, I don't have a removed disease at the moment. We were going for something else. The scariest thing is always to have a healer that's out of heals and no potion to help. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but don't considering stop. we're at time, oh, so we are. let's go with final thoughts. I'm sorry for dominating this one. No, it was a good one. Was yeah, this is this is a no. great great moment for you to shine. It was like, my thing. Exactly, and we all learned a fair bit from it. Yeah. Well, I try to be educational. I know I'm not the best GM, but if I can provoke other GMs to do better in their games... Then you're a successful one. Then I'm a successful GM in some regards. I guess that's my final thoughts. Now I'm stepping out. All right. <laughs> to my crypt. <laughs> You can also add effects to the creatures. For example, regeneration. Yeah. If you describe, your axe digs in. You can feel the muscle snapping under your the axe blade as you push it in. And as you pull it back out, you can already see the strands starting to connect again. <laughs> pull together. Going back to Resident Evil, I like that. And, and now, now you've got this vision of something that's like, oh crap, that's regenerating really, really quickly. We gotta gack this thing quickly. And it, it like it puts pressure on your players in a way that isn't going to detract. Yeah. Unless you start hamming it too far. But again, fine lines. Yep. Yep. Uh yeah, I mean like I said, still don't have much experience. <laughs> so uh how are we gonna get out of this haunted house, guys? <laughs> uh actually I, I mentioned this earlier that I was going to mention the soundboard, and I'm going to pass it along to Blasphemous here shortly. Yeah. The website is called tabletopaudio.com. There you go. And this is uh, got. I've been using this actually in the Rift game. Uh, yeah, it's been. Kazarkan's been there for a lot of it because it's got. Let's see, I've done Western, I've done Cityscapes, I've done like 
2049 Neo Tokyo sound effects. I've done gun battles. It has a ridiculous catalog. catalog. I can do undersea adventures, space adventures. Pretty much if there's a genre, they've got a soundboard for it. And then some. And And then various effects within those that are just like, hey, this is just an effect. That pulse laser, pew! Yeah, they got everything from effects to repeating audio or even build your own audio. So if you want to do just like chimes and drums and not throw in guitar, you can do that. Or you can pull the chimes out, put in just guitar and drums, and then the sound of chainsaws. (laughs) So per theme, it has a lot of options, and some of them you can set to repeat, not repeat, adjust the sound volume on each of them. And lately I've been using TabletopAudio.com for my soundboard needs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Between that and Serenscape, which I'm still not the biggest fan of, I prefer Tabletop Audio. Yeah. Just because of the customization options and... The quick ability to change weather and music and sound effects on the fly. Yeah, it and works really well. Just like even just the one little dinky uh, Bluetooth speaker. Yeah, we got one dinky Bluetooth speaker that I put near the middle of the room so the sound does not override everybody else. Yeah. So that's the website uh, that I've been using lately. And if sort of. somebody out there wants to use it for their games, bam, there you go. Tabletopaudio.com, please sponsor me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still going to sing their praises, even though they don't sponsor me. They're begging for donations, too. So yeah. it's another GM tool. So instead of throwing money at me, throw money at them, because they provide for us GMs. Uh-huh. Yeah. Darth Blasphemous. Final thoughts. Um, when it comes to spooktaculars, you don't just have to do it in October. And figure out what works for your playgroup. If they don't like something and it's actually a super big turnoff thing where they're going to straight up get up and leave, don't do it. But have fun with a spooktacular any time of year, especially a time of year it really doesn't seem necessary. Like, do a complete zombie overrun on Easter weekend or something. You know? <laughs> you know have what? Fun with there's, it. there's enough. Yeah. I well, there's already that. one very important zombie on Easter. Hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. He can kick it off. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's all I got. Dark right. Blasphemous signing off. Uh, Moniker signing off. Happy Halloween, folks. Gazarkan, back to the skies. Mind the mind the second full moon of the month. Spooky shit. Don't bother checking your candy for razor blades. I'm staying home this year. <laughs> Game Goblin going back to my crib. Goblin, the mics are still on. Oh, crap. (laughs) This was not worth the king-size candy bar you promised me.